Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and we're coming at you with a special episode where we sit down with Seance writer-director Simon Barrett. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And in this episode, we're talking with the writer and director of Seance, which follows the arrival of new girl Camille Meadows at the prestigious Edelvine Academy for Girls. Soon after, six girls invite her to join them in a late night ritual, calling forth the spirit of a dead former student who reportedly haunts the halls. But before morning, one of the girls is dead, leaving the others wondering what they may have awakened. Seance is written and directed by Simon Barrett and stars Suki Waterhouse, Madison Beatty, Ella Ray Smith and Seamus Patterson. Now, Simon Barrett is a horror aficionado, Tim, and frequent collaborator with friend Adam Wingard. They both work together on the third Blair Witch film and are currently penning the script for the long-awaited Face-Off sequel, which is really exciting. So exciting. So we invited Barrett on to Popcorn Podcast to talk about being a first-time director with Seance and his return to found footage anthology series VHS, as well as press him for details about John Travolta and Nick Cage reuniting for Face Off. Let's hear what he had to say. So you're going to do a seance. Spiritus Oratio Nostra. Opote, Le Quantur, Enter Boss. 
Thanks so much, Simon, for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how the idea for Seance was born? It felt like with my first film, I wanted to make a type of movie that was one that I specifically enjoyed as a viewer uh, and that had, had particularly inspired me as a filmmaker. And it, it was this genre of, of what I'd kind of come to think of as cozy slashers, um, you know, slasher films that, that had like these murder mysteries, but there was enough of a horror element to like kind of engage me as a horror fan. Um, you know, especially when I was a teenager, you know, like watching, uh, you know, the slasher films of the 80s and then, you know, after Scream, you know, the, the kind of 90s postmodern slasher resurgence. Um, you know, that was just kind of an era that I, I, I always loved those stories and I'd always kind of wanted to make one of those films myself, you know, when it was time to kind of start thinking about what type of movie, you know, I, I could a get financed uh, and B thought I'd be fairly decent at directing. You know, that was that was the first kind of story that I really gravitated towards. You know, I, I tend to find inspiration in, in ways that I try to maybe understand after the fact, you know, it, it tends to be I just kind of stories just occur to me and I get excited about them and then I write them and then I'm like, maybe I can make this in a film. Maybe I can't. Often I can't. Um, with seance I could and you know and then you go back and you're like what why did I do that why why did I why did I think it was a good idea to make like a girl's school murder mystery supernatural slasher <laughs> uh, and you know the answer is I, I, I just like really did grow up watching those films and and I think they shaped kind of who I am it's like I, I, I won't do another one again I don't think <laughs> Why is that? Well, I mean, you know, I think also I probably said maybe more than I have to say on the subject of girls boarding schools, which is not something <laughs> that I have any understanding of whatsoever. You know, I was going basically on, you know, fictionalized kind of dynamics. Truthfully, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little burned out on horror, uh, you know, having done VHS 94 and seance back to back. I, I don't want to get to the point where I'm approaching my stories or characters in a cynical way. And I think if you work in a genre for kind of too long, it's hard to not get repetitive. So mm -hmm. I, I do kind of want to take a break from horror, which fortunately, uh, you know, Adam Wingard and I are working on a bunch of projects uh, in a bunch of different genres right now. So I am kind of refreshing. I felt like between Seance and, and VHS 94, I was in a really like horror mindset for a while of like trying to be spooky. And now I'm kind of like, well, you know, like, okay, that was fun, but, but I probably shouldn't just keep doing that or, or, or the results will diminish. Um, I want to, you know, the next time I, I conceive a horror story, I, I, I hope that I'm approaching it in a, in a very different way, just because I think you, you never really want to repeat yourself. Um, if you're fortunate enough to be able to kind of make a living being creative, mm -hmm. like you always want to be, you know, trying to do something, you know, very different, I think with every film in a way as long as you're entertaining people and delivering on their expectations to an extent. Uh, we had Adam Wingard on the podcast actually earlier this year talking about Godzilla versus Kong. How did you guys come to realise that you work so well together? In retrospect, it's really obvious. And, and I think even at the time, we kind of had a bit of like, we were friends, but we also did have this bit of like, hey, you're good at the stuff I'm not. We should make a film together. <laughs> even from the first moment we kind of met. Back in 2003, uh, on the set of Dead Birds, which is a film that I wrote um, when Adam was making a film called Homesick uh, nearby in Alabama, we just stayed friends and hung out over the years. And after Adam moved out to L.A., we were able to go see, you know, movies and talk about things like Face Off, you know, just as fans, which now years later, we're getting to kind of explore that narrative world ourselves, which is like a dream. Adam, I think, had a lot of confidence as a visual filmmaker. And I think Adam is, is one of the best film editors I've ever met. But I think he didn't really feel a lot of confidence as a writer. And at that time, I was like, well, I'm I'm getting pretty good as a writer. 
uh, but I don't know how to shoot video like you do. You know, if, if I have a low budget, I'm, I'm going to make a movie that looks like unreleasable crap. Whereas if you have a low budget, you're going to make something that is actually beautiful. So let's make a movie together. Back in, I think like 2005, 2006, even, you know, we started mm -hmm. talking about trying to find a project that we thought we could get financed, you know, which for us meant under a hundred thousand dollars because there was no way anyone was going to give us any more money than that. And they didn't. Uh, and, and, you know, but ultimately that collaboration led to, you know, A Horrible mm -hmm. Way to Die, which led to VHS, which led to Your Next and, and which has led to everything. So we still work together in that capacity, but now it's more complicated. And, and you know, now Adam and I are tend to be co-writing things, which is a lot of fun, you know, but a different process than, than the previous one. So, but I mean, I kind of think that's necessary. You know, every project should be a different process and, and you know, and the fact that we've been able to evolve and, and do different projects, but keep kind of coming back to collaborating um, has been really great. You know, we're very lucky. You know, I'm very lucky to be able to work with someone who I actually get along with. Yeah. And now you've got Thundercats and, and Face Off sequel, as you mentioned, which are just two completely different projects. You couldn't get two more different projects. Where are they each at in the process? Still in the very early stages of, on both yeah. of those. I mean, we're still we're still at like conceiving the script stages on both of those. I mean, they're both are going to take time to get right. Uh, you know, neither one of those is is something that you know you can just like rush off and do. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of money and a lot of like fans, and you want to make sure that you're respecting that, but also being original and creative. And, and you know, so I, I think it's going to take a little while. So we're still. We're still in very, very early script phases on both those projects, years, years away. So I look forward to answering okay. this question for a long, long time, but, but well, we're working, we're working on it. We'll get them done okay. as soon as we can. And with a project like Face Off, are you writing with obviously John Travolta and, and Nicolas Cage in mind, whether or not they come on board or? Yes, yes, we are writing with John Travolta and Nicolas Cage in mind, whether or not they come on board. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I uh, you know, the answer, you know, the, the bigger answer to that question is that was the only way Adam and I really wanted to do face off. You know, when we first started talking to um, the producers on that project, uh, you know, Neil Moritz and Toby Asher and, and, and you know, and talking to the, the executives at Paramount, you know, I think they were thinking more of, of kind of a reboot remake of face off, you know, let's Let's take the, the central conceit and apply it to like a totally different story, you know, and that's that maybe is interesting and maybe they should do that eventually. But that wasn't the film that, you know, that Adam and I really wanted as Face Off fans. You know, we felt that Face Off was really about those characters and 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 we wanted to explore them further and, and ideally in, in further insane dynamics and, and, yeah. and complicated ways. And so, so yeah, we are. And, and you know, and, and it is funny because you find you have to kind of find that voice, you know, when you're writing pre-existing characters and you're kind of trying to find like, what was, you know, what was John Travolta's voice as Sean Archer? What was Nicolas Cage's voice as Castor Troy? You know, but then once you kind of lock into that cadence, it, it's a lot of fun to, you know, be writing new lines for Castor Troy and, and Sean Archer. That's about as much fun as you could probably have as a writer. So, yeah. They're so iconic. And I think people are really excited to see them back in those roles if they sign off so hopefully hopefully it comes off well you know we're all we can do all we can say is that we're trying to give them both some really fun scenes yeah. and, and and really fun roles to play and, and that yeah. will entice them so they, they won't be able to say no so getting back to seance personally why do you think myths and legends fascinate audiences so much because i i really felt Candyman vibes in the opening of this film with the girls in front of the mirror scary stories ghosts like i think I think there's always that sense from like a very early stage as a human that, you know, that you're, you know, you have that awareness of your mortality 
you have that awareness that the world is kind of a scary, dark place. And I think we do kind of try to understand that through, you know, telling each other scary stories. Candyman, um, you know, was Clive Barker's story, The Forbidden, I think was riffing probably on the Bloody Mary legend, um, you know, first and foremost. I don't know if that's a, a thing in Australia, but, but you know, mm. here, in, here in America, you know, Bloody Mary, saying Bloody Mary in front of the mirror is the thing that kids did when I was when I was young. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's a catharsis for, you know, our actual genuine understanding and terror of death and, and our understanding that, you know, that we will die and, and people we know will die. Um, and, and we try to find kind of safe, safe catharsis for that in those stories. And especially if, if you are young, you know, and you have encountered death, I, I think you then are more drawn than ever towards that sort of material. And, and I think there is kind of a, almost a therapeutic process of being a human, you know, through like roller coaster rides that, that give you the terror of death, but don't kill you. Um, you, you do kind of process your, your understanding of your own mortality through the such experiences. And I think the horror genre kind of lends itself to that. So, so the urban legends of it all and the, the kids doing seances and, and playing with Ouija boards and stuff, I guess I would assume that that's just like, you know, the inherent terror of being alive uh, <laughs> manifesting itself in a, in a more accessible, enjoyable way. Do you have any ghost stories yourself? No, Adam's the guy for ghost stories. I, Adam has yeah. a bunch of great ghost stories. I have none. I'm not like a ghost atheist. Uh, I, I totally am willing to accept that, you know, there's some kind of life after death. And, and if something goes wrong, maybe it can hang out here and creep you out for a bit. But I don't really understand like what ghosts do. And and if they have anything to say to me, you know, they, they, they've they neglected to say it. And, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's fine. So what is it about the horror genre that gets your creative juices flowing or or did before you were burnt out on this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, well, yeah, yeah. No, there's the yeah, yeah, horror. I hate it. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I guess it goes back to that kind of like what we were talking about with like urban legends. And, you know, as, as a child, I, I was always attracted to just scary material. And, and it's funny because I don't know if that was just, again, catharsis for kind of real life fears or just my own personal sensibility. But, you know, at least with a horror movie, you know, when you're a kid, at least, you know, with a horror movie, like stuff's going to happen, you know, like if you're rolling the dice at the video store and something's got a schlocky cover, you know, you're like, well, how bad can this really be? And, you know, the answer if you're dealing with a horror movie is, you know, only so bad. If you're dealing with a comedy, you know, the floor is even lower because there's nothing, there's nothing you can laugh at in a bad comedy, whereas a bad horror movie is hysterical. So there's this like win-win as a viewer kind of, and and I don't know, I, I ultimately, I just think the horror genre is one that I will always gravitate to it as a fan because of my personal sensibility. But as a filmmaker, I think it's an immensely gratifying genre to work in because as long as you kind of adhere to a certain degree of audience expectations and, and deliver a certain amount of what people kind of want from your film, you can be fairly strange and, and, and subversive and weird and, and audiences will be down for it. It's one of the genres that you can experiment within uh, narratively and tonally and, and just get away with it. In fact, people will, in the case of some of our films, completely ignore it, uh, which is, is more than you want to get away with it. But, but, you know, it's a fine line. Was Seance your directorial debut? Or does that count as your feature debut? It's definitely my feature debut. I, I, I did direct the wraparound of VHS2, um, which was a troubled production, and I learned a lot from it. Uh, but, um, you know, but, you know, found footage is, is kind of a different thing. And, you know, Seance was the first time that I really got to creatively decide where I wanted to place the camera rather than placing the camera on some pragmatic notion of what a viewer would accept the character doing and, you know, mathematics of how the scene has to unfold. Uh, you know, so Seance was the first time I got to be, you know, creative in that way as a director. Uh, so it was my feature debut. Yeah. 
So now that you've done that, do you prefer writing or directing? Well, uh, writing is a lot easier, uh, especially for me now, because I've been doing it for long enough that I've, I've gotten kind of okay uh, at it for the most part, at least in a screenwriting format. Directing is quite difficult, but it's also really fun because you get to actually make like all the fun creative choices. You get to work with actors and, and camera operators. And, you know, that's the stuff that I really love. You know, I, I really love the collaborative medium of, of film and, and being able to really collaborate with a team of artists on a casting crew. And you don't really get that as a writer. I mean, even if you are working, I'm, I'm much more collaborative, I think, than, than most writers have had the opportunity to be, be just because of my friendship with Adam Wingard and the way he and I made films together. But nonetheless, it's, it's not really, you know, ultimately those decisions when I'm working with Adam are Adam's. You know, if I if I have something to say, I'll volunteer it. But if I don't, I'll shut up. And usually I don't, <laughs> you know, so so it is one of those things where um, I, I, I prefer directing personally. But uh, but it's a lot more stressful and, you know, and it does. There is a vague sense that every film you direct probably takes like a year off your life. Um, <laughs> right. whereas, if you're whereas if you're screenwriting, you can, you know, go to the gym and, and, and uh, eat healthy. Um, sure. <laughs> you know, you know. What was it like returning to VHS? Uh, returning to VHS? Well, you know, it was interesting because the one thing I'd never done uh, on the VHS films was was work as a segment director. Um, you know, I'd, I'd been a kind of producer and, and I'd written segments um, you know, directed by Joe Swanberg and Adam Wingard, of course, but I never directed like a standalone short tape and, and I wanted to, you know, I always kind of thought that I, I didn't have any particular ideas that were like in my back pocket. But when Brad Miska and Josh Goldblum kind of told me that they were re rebooting VHS and, you know, they basically asked if I was interested, I was just like, sure, you know. I mean, for one thing, I knew we were going to have a bigger budget, which which we did. And that was great, um, you know, because those first movies were really run and gun, you know, like genuinely micro budget, you know, films where we did them all like non, you know, non-union, no actors were in the union. I mean, they were they were small indie films. Uh, you know, this was a slightly bigger one, you know, by the standards of such things. And uh, and the, the opportunity to to get to kind of do what I'd seen other filmmakers do, uh you know, was one that I kind of couldn't resist, especially once I found out, you know, who the other directors kind of involved at that point were, because I'm a big fan of, of Ryan and Chloe and, and Timo, obviously, is an old friend and, and Jennifer Reeder was someone who I, I was, was super into her work. So, so, you know, so kind of when I, once I, once they kind of told me the team, I was like, well, I can't resist this, you know, like, like, plus, it, I mean, on the first two VHS movies, I, I was kind of directly involved in putting them together as features and, um, you know, like color grading and sound mixing the features mm -hmm. and stuff. And, uh, it was nice to be able to say like, I am only responsible for my 16 minutes and eight seconds and <laughs> everything else is someone else's problem. Uh, right. That's, that's, that's a nice feeling too, uh, being able to make an anthology uh, film that way. To wrap up, is there a movie on your bucket list or something that hasn't been made yet that you'd like to make? I mean, a lot of, a lot of movies that I would like to make, but, but they're mostly all my original scripts. So, so they'd be of no interest to anyone. Uh, you know, I, I definitely have, uh, a half dozen uh, original scripts uh, that, you know, Adam and I have been struggling to get made for a while and some of which, uh, you know, we're really passionate about, you know, in terms of like existing properties, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like I'm already working on my dream project yeah. a little bit, you know, so so I kind of don't want to, I don't want to be greedy and say like, oh, you know, and next you should give me this. Cause you know, cause the truth is I think fans uh, were pretty annoyed with, with uh, my Blair Witch sequel and and justly might <laughs> might might have some cynicism towards me, uh, you know, working in in you know the field of their beloved properties. So I'll, I'll I'll wait until I have a success before I ask for anything else. 
I actually think that the tide is turning at the moment in terms of the film industry and, and people are hungry for original projects. I mean, it's, it's the last, I don't know, decade or so has just been remakes and reimaginings, if you will. But I think people are really hungry for original films now. I happen to very strongly uh, agree with you uh, there, Lee, but I will tell you that people are not hungry to finance original films right now. <laughs> so uh, right. That's, that, 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 that's the hurdle that we need to get over is we need to convince the people uh, with money yeah. and green light films that there is in fact an appetite for that. Best of luck to you for that. And we look forward to seeing the Thundercats and Face Off sequel. Can't wait. Right. Thank you so much. I don't mind ghosts rise up to us. Lee, not only the face-off sequel, which you and I are clearly very excited mm. about, I remember being obsessed with Thundercats as a kid and I can't wait to see what Simon and Adam Wingard have in store for that project. Such a fun filmmaker to talk to. Yeah, it was a great interview, Lee. Thank you. Now, Seance and VHS 94 are available to watch on Shudder from September 29 with a subscription to the streaming service. As always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We are now on YouTube where you will find our latest celebrity video interviews. Simply search Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.